Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. There was this man and woman who met, and they fell deeply in love. And as their relationship grew, they, they wanted to get married, but each of them had a deep, dark secret that they were afraid to tell the other one about. Sally, she had a severe case of bad breath, horrendous halitosis. I mean, no matter what she did, her breath smelled. And so she was always popping mints in her mouth, chewing gum. She was swishing around mouthwash. Before she ever got with her boyfriend, she would always do that. She would pop a mint. She would chew some gum. She would swish some mouthwash. She wanted to tell him, but she was afraid to. She was afraid of what he would think, whether he would still love her. Well, Bob, he had a problem, too. You see, he had stinky feet. And no matter what he did, he couldn't get rid of his stinky feet. He went to the doctor. He tried, you know, foot creams. He tried powders. He changed his socks. He did everything he could. But no matter what he did, he had stinky feet. And he wanted to tell her, but he was ashamed. He was embarrassed. He was afraid that if he told her, she wouldn't love him anymore. And so they continued to date. He eventually proposed. They got married and and on their honeymoon night at the hotel, they determined that they both were going to have to be honest with the other. And so she didn't pop any mint. She didn't chew any gum. She didn't swish any mouthwash. She was going to go to Bob face to face and let him know her secret. And Bob, he determined that he was going to do the same thing. And so he took his shoes and his socks off, something he had never done in her presence before, not at the beach, not at the lake, not anywhere, but he knew that he was going to have to do this. And so he left the bathroom, she was in the bedroom, he went there, and both of them determined that they were going to be completely honest, and so Sally grabbed Bob, looked him right in the face, mouth to mouth, nose to nose, and said, Bob, I've got a secret, I've got to confess. And he held her tightly, and he said, I know. You ate my socks. <laughs> Confession. I heard about four men who were on this fishing trip and they decided that they were going to finally be accountable to one another. They had heard about accountability groups. They knew that it was important to be accountable, but they had never done it. And so while they were out on this boat, they determined that they were going to take a chance. They were going to risk it and and they were going to open up. They were going to be accountable to one another. And, and the first guy, he, he, he started. He said, I've got a confession to make. I've got a drinking problem. I don't drink often, but, but about once a month, I get drunk as a skunk. I get fall down drunk. The other three guys look at him and nodded their head. And this gave courage to the second guy who said, okay, I've got a confession to make. I steal things. I don't steal things all the time, but, but probably several times a year when I get behind in my finances, I will take some things from work. And I will sell those things on eBay so I can catch up with my bills. And the other guys nodded. And then the third guy spoke up and he said, well, since y'all were being honest, I'll be honest. I struggle with porn. It's a problem that I've had ever since I was a teenager. 
weekly, I, I find myself looking at sites I shouldn't look at. Everyone nodded. And the fourth guy, he was quiet. He didn't say a word. And so the other three looked at them, looked at the one and said, so what about you? Are you going to open up? Are you going to be honest? He said, okay. I am a compulsive gossip. And I can't wait to get off this boat to tell everybody what I just heard. I think that's a problem that all of us have when it comes to opening up with people, isn't it? We're afraid if we open up, we're afraid if we're honest, we're afraid if we're vulnerable. If we share our deep, dark secrets, either someone is going to go and tell someone else what those things are, or they won't like us anymore. They won't love us anymore. In the 16th century, our Catholic friends came up with this thing called a confessional booth, where you could go into that booth, and a priest was in the booth next to you, and with this anonymity, you could confess your sins to the priest, and you could be forgiven, and you could find forgiveness. But is that what the Bible teaches that we're supposed to do? Is that what the Bible teaches about confession of sin. Does the Bible say anything about confession of sin? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our series we're calling One Anothering, looking at how you and I are to live in relationship with one another as part of the family of faith. We are family, and the Bible is very clear on how we are to treat one another as family. We've discovered that we're to be devoted to one another, committed to one another. We are fiercely loyal to one another. I mean, when we have difficulties, when we have problems, when we have struggles with one another, we don't walk out. No, we stay with one another and we're committed to work out our problems. In Northside family, let me just say to you very clearly today, if you made a commitment to be a part of the Northside family, apart from theological issues that are clear biblical issues or moral issues that our church has started to mess up on, you should be committed to the family. If you leave town, if you move to another state, then certainly you should find another church. But all too often, we we kind of act like our churches are like our favorite restaurants. We go to the newest, most popular restaurant for a while, and, and then we choose another popular restaurant for a while, and then we choose another popular restaurant for a while. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says we're to be devoted to one another. We're to encourage one another. The Bible says, don't forget the assembling of yourselves together as some are doing. Instead, come together to encourage one another. We are told in, a, in another place, in, in Hebrews chapter 3, that we are to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of us will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, when we encourage one another, we are walking alongside one another for the purpose of building them up and bringing out the best in them. And the Bible says that, that we need encouragement daily, each and every one of us. We are to accept one another when it comes to disputable matters. And there are disputable matters. There are things that, 
that we can disagree on as part of the family of faith. We, we won't necessarily see eye to eye on every issue, and, and yet we give grace in those areas because they are disputable areas. We don't get self-righteous. We don't get judgmental. We allow God to deal with his children the way God wants to deal with his children. We accept one another. We're to pray for one another. We're to take one another's needs to the throne of God. We're to serve one another. When a brother or sister has a need and and we have the ability, we have the capacity to meet that need, we are to step in and we are to meet that need. And we are to restore one another. When a part of the family falls into sin and is caught in that sin, we who are spiritual are to come alongside them and restore them. We are to lift them up, pick them up, and bring them to that place of spiritual health and spiritual healing. But today, I want us to look at another one another that, to be quite honest with you, doesn't come naturally. It's a one another that, to be quite honest with you, I don't think any of us, well, unless we're a little sick, just really want to do this. And that is confess our sins to one another. You see, the Bible talks about two kinds of confession. First of all, we confess to God. Now, this is important. Because the Bible says that we will never be saved unless we confess our sins to God. That's the first step to being saved. Admitting that we are a sinful A sinner. Admitting that we are part of a sinful race. Admitting that we have chosen to rebel against God. To commit treason against God. To disobey God's laws. That's what sin is. And that's what each and every one of us are. And it's not until we acknowledge our sin. We confess that sin to God. And we turn from that sin. That we will be saved. And so as long as we sit in our chair and and we think that we're pretty good, as long as we are planning on going to God, telling God the things that we have done, we've never experienced salvation. Salvation begins by confessing our sins to God. Now once we confess our sins to God and we place our faith, our trust in Jesus to save us, we enter into a, a permanent relationship with God. Nothing can ever change that. We believe that once we are saved, we are saved. If we've truly been saved, nothing can change that. We are a part of God's family. And it's just like you and I who, who, who may have brothers or sisters or, or aunts or uncles or even children who are doing things that, that break our heart. We don't say they're no longer a part of our family because they're a part of our family. And no matter what they do, we love them and we care for them and and they're a part of our family. And, And once we become a part of God's family, nothing can ever change that. We're a member of his family. But the relationship with God can be broken. It can be severed. It can be hurt. And it's sin that does that. You see, for you and I who are, 
who are part of the family of God, we've received the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. When we allow sin to creep into our life, that sin hinders, it hurts our relationship with God. It hurts the fellowship. It hurts the effectiveness. In Isaiah 59, it says this, listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he, God, has turned away and will not listen anymore. And so the Bible says that when we allow sin to enter into our life as believers, God comes to that point where he says, okay, I'm not even listening to you anymore. Now, a clear example of that in Scripture is David. David was a man after God's own heart. He had an intimate relationship with the Lord. But one evening, in a moment of weakness, David was on the rooftop of his palace, and he saw this beautiful woman bathing. And instead of turning his head, he continued to look, and that look turned into lust, and he called for her, and he had a one-night fling, an affair with a married woman. He sinned against God. He thought it was all over. It was a one-time deal. But the woman, Bathsheba, got pregnant. So he tried to cover up his sin. He called for her husband to come home from battle. He hoped that her husband would sleep with her. And, and he could think that the baby was his own, but Uriah wouldn't do that. Uriah felt like since all the rest of his men were away from their wives on the battlefield, he could not sleep with his wife. So he refused. And so when David realized that this affair was going to be found out, he had Uriah killed. And then he took Bathsheba as his wife. And he covered it up. He thought everything was okay. He thought no one knew. Until one day, a prophet of God came into the palace. A prophet named Nathan. And he confronted David with his sin. And the Bible says that David was convicted of his sin. And he confessed that sin to God. Now I want you to listen to what the Bible says about that confession. If you have your Bibles, you can turn here with me. If not, you can write it down there on your note sheet. But the first passage is Psalm 32. Listen to what it says. Verse 1, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you to stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Here was David. He was, he was trying to hide his sin. He refused to confess it, and he was living in misery. And hear me. This is God's truth. If you are a child of God, if you've been born again, and you are living with unconfessed, undealt with sin, you are going to experience the same thing as David. 
the heaviness, the sorrow, the pain, feeling like your life is wasting away. A believer who has a relationship with God, who is a child of God, cannot sin and simply ignore it. That sin is going to have an impact on your life. In Psalm 51, David said this. He said, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It halts me day and night. Against you and you only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You have proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just. I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify my sins so that I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence any longer. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. You see, when you and I as believers sin against God Almighty as part of his family, his spirit lives in us. And we can't just sin and ignore it or just set it aside. That sin is going to have consequences on our lives. It did on David and it will on yours. And so when sin creeps into our life, what do we do? We confess it to God. Now look at the verse on your note sheet. 1 John 1, verse 9, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, once we realize, we recognize that we have sinned against God Almighty, what do we do? We confess it to him. That word confess means to see your sin The same way God sees your sin. It means to look at your sin through God's eyes. It literally means to say the same thing about. And so when we confess our sins to God, we are saying about our sin the same thing that God says about our sin. It's heinous. It's horrific. It's horrendous. It's awful. It's terrible. It's rebellion. It's treason. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's not a mess up. It's not a mistake. It's sin. And when we confess our sins to him, notice what it says. He is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And so when we as believers confess our sins to God, he forgives us and he cleanses us. And so we are to confess our sins to God. That's a a big truth that the Bible teaches. It's not something we do one time at our salvation. It's something we do throughout our life as sin 
creeps into our life. Every time I pray, I ask God to search me and show me my heart. Show me any evil things that I have done, any evil things that I have said, any evil thoughts that I have had. Why? Because this is serious stuff. And I want to make sure that I'm clean before God. So we confess our sins to God. When we do that, it brings forgiveness, it brings cleansing. But then the Bible also says that we confess our sins to one another. And when we confess our sins to one another, the Bible tells us that that brings healing And that brings reconciliation. I want you to listen to what it says in James 5 verse 16. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now what does this mean? To confess your sins to each other. Does it mean that that when we sin against someone, we are to go to them and confess that sin to them? Absolutely, it means that. If I have sinned against someone else, and God reminds me of that sin, I have a responsibility, I have an obligation to go to that person and confess that sin to them, And ask for their forgiveness. Now God may have already forgiven me. And the vertical relationship has been restored. But what we need to understand is that horizontal relationships are also a part of our spiritual life. God created us to live in vertical relationship with him. And in horizontal relationship with other people. And the truth of the matter is, if we are out of kilter in our horizontal relationships, it will affect our vertical relationship. And so if we've sinned against someone, if we've talked about them, if we spread rumors about them, if we've taken from them, if we have hurt them, we have a responsibility to go to them And tell them, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? Jesus made this clear in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 18. And there are some of us here today who are living in bondage because we have not taken this simple step of getting right with someone else. Years and years and years ago now, I was still in seminary. I'd graduated from college or I'd just graduated from seminary. And I was in my prayer closet one day praying and God laid on my heart something that I had done. And I had confessed it to God, but I had not made it right with the person that I had done it against. And God would not leave me alone. Now, what I had done involved not only asking forgiveness, what I had done involved making restitution. This was difficult. But God would not leave me alone. Finally, I did it. And oh, the freedom 
the healing that came when I took that step to make that relationship right. And so that's a part of what this means, confessing our sins to each other. If we have sinned against someone, we need to confess it. But it also means there are times that that we confess things to our church family, the family of faith. You see, if our sin is public, then our confession needs to be public. If our sin has public consequences, then our confession needs to be public. Now, there are some things that we don't need to share. There are some things where we don't need to go into the gory details. But I'm here to tell you, right here, right now, that there are some of you here today who perhaps are walking in bondage because you have sinned against the body. And and you've never come before the body and said, I've sinned. Again, years ago, I was pastoring in Florida, and, and I hadn't sinned against the body, but I was a public figure. I was the pastor of our church. And we were out one day with our kids, and we had driven to Orlando, and to make a long story short, I lost it. I mean, I had road rage on steroids. To the point that I literally got out of my car because of what someone did. And was about to yank someone out of their car. That's bad. It was a Friday. God convicted me. I started thinking to myself, what if this person is from Titusville? What if they realize that they just met a lunatic... And their life is indeed a gift from God, and they need to get in church. And what if they decide to come to our church on Sunday? And they look up, and they see that lunatic up there preaching. i got to get this right. And so that Sunday morning, during our welcome time, I said, guys, i got a confession to make. Your pastor wasn't very pastoral. And I shared what I did. And I said, I need to ask you to forgive me because I'm your pastor. I represent you. And I was a terrible representative. There are times that our confession needs to be to the body because our sin has been against the body. But there's a third thing that I think this passage means, and and that is we need accountability in our lives. Each and every one of us need someone or some people in our life that we can go to, that we confess our sins to, our failures to, our struggles with, our ongoing battles with, and they will pray for us, they will walk with us, and they will hold us accountable. You see, it's it's easy, in my opinion, for us to confess our sins to God. I mean, God's up there. And, And after all, God knows what we do before we ever do it, right? I mean, if God's God, God knows what you do. And confession isn't for God's, for God's benefit. It's not like God says, you did what? Confession is not for God's benefit. Confession is for our benefit. Confession is to restore the intimacy of the relationship. But to be honest with you, it's easy to confess our sins to God. And I believe... 
that because it's so easy, we can have a tendency to take our confession to God lightly. We confess our sins and then we go out and do the same thing over and over and over again. Why? Because it's easy to confess our sins to God. The truth is, I believe with all my heart, the number one reason that many Christians are still walking in bondage is because of their failure to confess their sins to one another. Let me say that again. Our failure to confess our sins to one another, in my opinion, is the number one reason that many Christians are still walking in bondage. The Bible says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed, so that you will be set free, so that you will be delivered. Every Christian, every Christian needs at least one mature Christian they can go to that they can confess their sins to and and that person will pray with them and walk with them and hold them accountable. This is the secret to healing. So why don't we do it? Well, I believe there's really two reasons. The first reason is pride. I mean, we sit back and think, what will they think about me? If, If they know that I struggle in this area, what will they say about me? How will this affect my reputation? Pride. But in Proverbs 16, it says, Pride goes before destruction, haughtiness before a fall. You see, if pride is that thing that's keeping you from this accountable relationship, you need to ask, who are you trying to impress? Because the only one you need to try to impress is God himself. So so pride. I think the second reason that we don't confess our sins to one another is because of fear. What will happen if I confess my sin? What will happen to this relationship? And we're afraid. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Trusting the Lord means safety. Now, I believe these two go together, pride and, and fear. They're really two sides of the same monster. Pride and fear are those two things that are going to keep us from confessing our sins to one another. But we have to swallow our pride and we have to face our fear if we're going to ever walk in freedom. And so what does it take? What does these accountable relationships look like? And and what do I have to do if I'm going to get to that point where I'm confessing my sins to someone else? Well, first, I've, I've got to have a genuine desire. I've got to want to do it. The truth of the matter is some of us are perfectly content living in bondage. We've gotten used to our sin. We've lived with our sin so long that we've actually kind of got attached to our sin. And we've not only grown attached to our sin, if we're honest, we have to admit that our sin kind of brings joy to our life now. We enjoy it. No one can force you into a accountable relationship. You have to want it. Notice how this verse begins in James 5. Confess your faults. You see, at some point in our life, God expects us to take the initiative. 
At some point in our life, God expects us to accept responsibility for our spiritual growth and our spiritual life. And so do you desire to live a life that is pleasing to God? If you do, then you have to get into a relationship where you can confess your faults, your sins to one another. That takes me to the second thing. It takes a relationship. This is foundational to everything in the Christian life. God created us relational beings. And without relationships, we will never experience life the way God truly wants us to experience life. And this isn't a matter of personality. Some of us have very introverted personalities and and we would just as soon not be around people. But you need to understand that God created you for relationships. And when you are living without those intimate relationships in your life, something is going to be missing. And so what do we need to look for when we're looking for these relationships where we can confess our sins to one another. Let me give you some things. One, they need to be the same sex. It doesn't need to be someone of the opposite sex. Some of you may say, but Rocky, why? Well, if you're asking that question, then you really have issues. You're naive. You're gullible. If you're going to have a relationship with someone where you confess your sins, it needs to be someone of the same sex. You say, well, what about my husband or what about my wife? You you need someone else. And certainly you should have vulnerability and certainly you should have transparency in your relationship with a spouse. The Bible makes that very clear in Genesis chapter 2. But the fact of the matter is we need someone else in our life. They need to be spiritually mature. It needs to be someone that we can trust. Someone who is going to be honest with us, but they're not brutally honest. In other words, they share the truth in love. It needs to be someone who is going to be loyal. No matter what you tell them, they are going to stick with you and walk with you. And here's the thing. If you want to find that kind of person, you have to be willing to be that kind of person. Third, you need to be real. Accountability or a relationship where you can confess your sins is no good unless you're honest. Unless you're transparent. Unless you get real. And that means that you've got to be vulnerable. That's scary. It's frightening. But hear me. Until you get to that point, you will never grow deep like God wants you to. So what are the results of these accountable relationships confessing our sins to one another? Let me give you two. Confession brings healing. That's what it says in this verse. Confession brings physical healing. It brings emotional healing, relational healing. Healing, certainly spiritually, spiritual healing. You say, Rocky, you're saying that confessing my sins to somebody else can bring physical healing to my life? Absolutely. There are all kinds of sicknesses out there that are the result of guilt and shame 
and fear. And opening up and being honest with someone who can help you walk through life can heal you. Certainly if you're hiding things in a relationship, that's going to hurt that relationship. So it brings healing and and then it brings freedom. There's something about confession that is cleansing, that is liberating. So where are you at? There may be some of you here today who have never confessed your sins to God. If you're honest, you've never taken your sin seriously. Your sin against a holy God has never broken your heart. And if your heart's never been broken over your sin, your salvation is suspect. Because when we see our sin through God's eyes, it's going to break us. Some of you may need to confess your sin to God and be saved. There are others of you here today who who are living in bondage because you haven't confessed your sin to the Lord as a believer. You're like David. And your strength is wasting away. The joy of your salvation has disappeared because of your sin. And you need to confess your sin to him right now. The fact of the matter is, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you're a believer, and you're not in some kind of accountable relationship where you can open up and confess your sins to someone else who can walk with you to help you through these problem areas of your life, you need to make the commitment to do that today. Not because I said it, but because the Bible teaches it. And if you are not confessing your faults, your sins, your trespasses, your transgressions, not just to God, but to one another, you're disobeying God. This is a command. And it's a command given because God cares about our spiritual growth. So what about it? If you're here and you need to confess your sins to God for the very first time and and find forgiveness and grace at the foot of the cross, then I want to encourage you to do that. If you're here and you're a Christ follower and like David, sin has crept into your life and you haven't confessed it and, and it's robbing you of your joy as a Christian, it's removed your effectiveness as a Christ follower, your life is wasting away like David said, confess it this morning. But regardless of where you're at in your Christian life, if you don't have that kind of relationship where you trust somebody enough to confess your sins to them, make the commitment today to find that person and start it. See what God does. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and with your head bowed and with your eyes closed. First of all, if you're here, you've never confessed your sins to God and trusted Jesus to be your Savior. And right now, the Holy Spirit is prompting you 
convicting you that you need to do that, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer to God right now. Oh, God, forgive me. I've sinned against you. My creator, the God of everything, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. I've lived life my way. I've disobeyed your commands. I've put myself on the throne. Forgive me. I don't want to live in bondage to sin anymore. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. Today, I'm trusting Jesus to take my sins away. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven. I'm trusting you. I'm giving my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Now for those of us who are Christ followers, if you're here, there is unconfessed, undealt with sin in your life right now that the Holy Spirit has clearly prompted you about. Then in this moment of silence, cry out to God. Confess it to Him. Do that right now. For every Christ follower, let me encourage you in this moment, if you don't already have this, to make a commitment to build a relationship with someone so that you can confess your sins to one another, so that you can be healed. Lord God, our desire is to be a holy church pure, without blemish. Our desire is to be righteous in all that we do, all that we say, even the very thoughts in our mind. And Lord God, to do that, we need not only your Holy Spirit, we need one another, the other parts of the body. So Father, I pray that, Lord, we will do what your word says to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.